funny how? It'd be funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. gentlemen welcome back to the silver screen video with your host jonathan and jacob for our year in review part three i don't know about you but uh i'm gonna take full credit for this idea because i've been enjoying this immensely and it was all my idea if i remember correctly you know what yeah sure you can have it thank you i appreciate that um yeah you know this i don't i don't idea. feel right about it i don't feel right about it guys i have to i have to admit it was jacob's idea <laughs> reverse psychology <laughs> If you don't fight me on it, it's like, oh, well, I can't I can't take credit for this. Um, you are you are one of those people like a cartoon that reverse psychology actually works on because you're just so oppositional most of the time. You know, you know what? That is a possibility. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, didn't, I didn't expect you to agree there. Uh, well, sometimes it, it's true. You know, you got to call them how you see them. So I respect it. Um, mm. But no, this really has been fun. It's really allowed us to kind of. Uh, talk a bit more about some of these films that may or may not be on our top 10 without having to, you know, kind of um, skip or rush during our actual top 10. So it's uh, it's been fun. And I hope you guys have enjoyed it as well. Um, yeah, it gives us a chance to talk about more contemporary movies, you know, which is a nice change of pace when there's, you know, decent conversation to be had about contemporary movies. Absolutely. And there is some decent conversation to be had this episode. But first, I need to say about two movies. I need to say something about two movies you haven't seen. So this will not take long, but I'm I'm a little angry. Um, so Netflix, you know, we talked about, I think, three Netflix movies last week. If you haven't listened to that, by the way, guys, go back and check it out for our year in review part two. I think we talked about three Netflix movies and, and they were, all, you know, all of them were were fine. Like we didn't enjoy Maestro, but none of them were bad movies. You know, they're just mm. like whatever. Um so I watched two movies on Netflix. One of them is called Rustin. I'm not sure how familiar you are with this. Um, I've, heard, I've heard you say the name of this movie, I feel like, a dozen times, and I still don't know what it is. Well, you know, on paper, it's got a great, it, it reads great. Coleman Domingo is fantastic. He plays the the lead, um, and, and Bayard Rustin, who was a gay black man in the 1960s, who was essentially like a big advisor to Martin Luther King. So mm-hmm. he literally okay. helped set up the, the, the walk, the, like the, the uh, protest and all that. So he was a big piece and his story because of history has always been kind of undermined because he's gay and he's black. So clearly like he's fighting an up here battle in terms of how history uh, will portray him and all that. So I loved the idea of this movie, you know, George C. Wolf directed it. The same guy that did Ma Rainey's black bottom, which I was a huge fan of. Uh, made my top 10 when it came out. So this movie should work, man, but it doesn't. It, it, it is an, is another Netflix movie that pulls its punches. And there is a word that I'm probably going to use a few times on this podcast, on this episode in particular. And I'm going to say it's toothless. You know, Mm. it's a very toothless movie. They didn't really like, I, I want it more of, there were glimpses of it. And, and I don't want it in terms of, exploitation but i want the movie to feel heavy because it was a heavy horrific period you know and it's this netflix lens netflix probably gave george c wolf a lot of notes i would have to imagine i could be wrong but 
the movie just felt really soft for telling a really powerful story. So I was a little, I was a little annoyed with it because Coleman Domingo can't do it all. He carries the movie. He's fantastic. Like his performance is not getting enough love, but that's pretty much where it is. Like the, the, the rest of this movie fell really short. And honestly, the two movies that I'm going to reference this one and the other one were both produced by the Obamas uh, with their, with their Netflix plan. Uh, that explains it. Yeah. So I really don't know. I know that for this one, I don't know if, uh, if, if he gave any notes, but I know that he did give notes for leave the world behind, which is the other movie I watched. Um, I believe he gave uh, uh, Sam Esmel, I think two notes that, that people talked about and, you know, and, and uh, on the internet or whatever. Um, but anyway, to finish up with Rustin, I was just annoyed by it. I don't know if our, you know, if any of you guys have watched it, let us know. I'm very curious to see if I'm wrong, if I'm misreading it. I just feel like a movie with this story, with this caliber of talent in it. Um, I mean, Jeffrey Wright's in it. Chris Rock is in it. Uh, 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 I cannot remember this other guy's name, but uh, anyway, it's a stacked cast, man. Like it's a really, really good cast. And I just, I don't know, this movie fell so flat and I can't help but blame Netflix. I blame the Obamas too, you know, like, I mean, I don't know how much I can blame them for this. I do blame them for the net for, for leave the world behind, but I don't know how much I can blame them for Rustin. Um, because since George C. Wolf already had a working relationship with Netflix, with uh, Ma Rainey's block, but, and also he's done some good movies. Like I really like um, the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks and you're not you like, he's not a bad director. So this movie just fell really short. And I'm just kind of tired of these movies that seem more of like an exercise opposed to, I'm actually going to tell this story, this, this very powerful story about civil rights in the 1960s in America. Um, right. It just felt really toothless and lacked a lot of punch. Yeah, I mean, spe- actually, speaking of which, have you have you read the book that Henrietta Lacks is based on? I've never seen the movie. No, I've never read the book. Dude, the, you would like the book. The book is really, really good. One of the best uh, nonfiction books, I think, of the past, like, I don't know, 25 years or so. That's a hardcore okay. recommendation. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, no, I, I never, honestly, I didn't even think about reading the book. Um, yeah, no, the book was really, really good, like exceptionally good. Um, and I haven't seen the movie, but I'm interested if, depending on how they framed it, it, you know, might have left out a lot of stuff in the book. Anyways, that's a conversation for another time. Well, that's Rustin. Let's let's knock out Leave the World Behind, because like I said, these are quick because you haven't seen either of them. I didn't plan like, you know, the plan was not to have like, you know, make these part of our conversation, guys. But I really wanted to bring them up quickly. Um I stopped making um, a to a worst movies I watched of the year several years ago. I used to make a list of like 10 movies that I watched that I didn't like. And then I was like, you know what? That's kind of douchey. Like, I don't want to do that. So I stopped. I don't really like to shit talk movies. Um, you know, I just, just something about the art form. You can say a movie's bad from a critical perspective. I just hate when, you know, you, somebody tears a movie apart. You know, that's just a personal preference. Um Leave the World Behind would be on that list if I did still make it. It was awful. It was so bad. I don't even, for those of you that are that don't know what it's about, maybe you haven't seen the trailer. The trailer, which very uh, very much tricked me, it's based on a best-selling book 
And I have to only assume the book is better than this movie. But basically mm. a family goes to like this luxurious rental home and some cyber attacks happen and knocks everything out. And then the owner of the home, like an Airbnb type, shows up, wants to stay there, you know, and then, you know, you know, shenanigans ensue. Like, it, dude, this movie was so fucking lame. Like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Like, I'm assuming uh, Ethan Hawke got paid pretty good. And so did Julia Roberts, because she doesn't make very many movies these days. But it's got some heavy hitters. Mahershala Ali is fantastic. And this movie pretty much makes all of them terrible. Like, wow. the kids are terrible. The story is ter- terrible. It makes no sense. The ending is just, I'm not going to spoil it, even though I don't recommend anyone watch this. But the ending is a fucking joke. The movie is a joke. It's like, I'm sorry, I do take a little bit of issue with the Obamas producing a movie about a, about a cyber attack from from an enemy nation that then is it like lays out the plan for what the steps they would take you know there's always the dramatic moment in alien invasion movies where they're like step one is this step two is this and that's exactly what they did and it's like dude get the fuck out of here with that shit like talk about talk about fear-mongering it's like look i get it was a book but the like that means barack obama or his wife michelle obama read this book and was like you know what we should produce this movie Right. And it's like, fuck that. Yeah, it's like it's like you you were a guy with like vested interests. Like people are gonna take it as some kind of uh authority or and you can tell by the other movies that they make, right? Like they they make other movies with like they have a certain moral authority, you know, and then to make something like that, it's like, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it was just uh it was just really annoying. And honestly, like I didn't like, just to be clear, I didn't judge this movie while watching it based on who produced it or any of that shit. Because I don't have a dog in that fight. I do not give a shit. But after watching it, then your brain has to be like, okay, like, so you you thought enough of this to produce the movie and have a vested interest in it and all that. Then it becomes a little suspicious. Right. No, I'm with you. And that Sam Asmail, man, dude, miss, dude, that guy can fuck off. I don't know. Like... He he has been behind some of the like most like uh, what's the word like on the surface looks interesting, but if you dig you know beneath the very top layer, it's like oh there's absolutely nothing here you know like that's why Mr. I can't watch Mr. Robot. I tried to watch it and I was like I don't understand why everyone thinks this show is so great. Dude, it's Mr. Don't even get me started on Mr. Robot. I watched like the first four seasons of it or however many there were. And like, dude, it. Yeah, I don't. And he, he's like weirdly carved out like kind of like a, a power player position. I mean, a minor power player position in Hollywood. But like he has like a, a, a kind of a brand going like he's got a deal with Netflix and he did. He's got like Julia Roberts. I think she probably worked with him again because they worked together on that um, Amazon Prime series. Um, and he, oh he yeah, a, and he as a like a producer, not even as a showrunner, but just as like an executive producer, has a bunch of little projects out there. And it's like, dude, I don't see how this fucking guy keeps getting work or, or keep, like he's like, I don't know, like a miniature Tyler Perry or something. Like I don't, I don't get why. 
I don't know. I, like he's married to Emmy Rossum too. Like I know they have some kind of big TV show coming out where she stars in it or whatever. And it's like, dude, I this guy can fuck off, man. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't like him. Well, speaking of Emmy Rossum, I will say I have to give him credit for a movie that I don't know how many people saw it. He wrote and directed it back in 2014. It's called Comet with uh, Emmy Rossum and Justin Long. I remember enjoying that movie. I thought it was a very interesting concept, but that doesn't let him off the hook for this shit. Yeah, get out of here, Sam Asmail. Go back to TV, you know? Go back, go back to making inscrutable TV shows for the USA Network. <laughs> That's like, what I say. It's like, that was like telling him something that on the surface seemed harmless, but had harmful intent behind it. By say right. like 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 saying USA Network, like come on, right. like nobody nobody get, wants to write for the USA Network. <laughs> yeah, like get, get back to. Uh, I was trying to think of a yeah, I was trying to think of a USA Network show, but I couldn't uh, think of burn, one. Burn notice, burn. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go back to the fucking burn notice break room, pal. Okay. Hey man, I'll have you know that show is beloved by a lot of parents across this country. Dude. <laughs> It's the most watched show in uh, all across nursing homes, all across the land. Exactly. You know, hey man, th- these old people keep all these kept all those shows going for a long time. Castle, uh, Bones, they can't get enough of it. Any any fucking Law and Order show, you know, moms are watching hundred oh. percent. So, dude, I mean, don't even get me started. Fucking CBS I, with my Paramount Plus subscription. Before every Frasier episode, I see a. Uh, advertisement for uh you know ncis you know and there's like 15 of those and there's like um chicago fire chicago pd chicago hospital and it's like dude who is watching this stuff like obviously people are yeah i just don't care about chicago i mean right just, yeah <laughs> who gives fuck. a fuck <laughs> oh what are you eating a sausage while you're arresting somebody like give me a break okay so so how do we want to do this? Save the best for last or talk about the best up front? Uh, your call. This was all your idea, so it's your call. <laughs> I'll save the best for last. Let's let's talk about... Okay, so, so there is a movie we both watched. I feel like you did it more begrudgingly than I did. We're going to discuss that one, and there is a theme that I feel is associated with the second movie, but that's a mystery movie for, for Jacob. I did not tell him what it was. We've both seen it. But um, let's talk about Saltburn first. Mm, um, okay. Saltburn, uh, I'm sure most of our listeners are at least vaguely familiar with this movie, considering the reputation it has earned for some reason. Um, mm. Emerald Fennel's uh, follow up to, to Promising Young Woman, which I still say is fucking awesome, regardless of what my co-host thinks. And um, it, is, uh, <laughs> it is it is about a student played by Barry Keoghan. Uh, who is basically drawn into this world of rich people and bullshit and, you know, the the eccentricness of of generational wealth the likes of us can't even remotely comprehend. Um, so it's led by Keoghan, Jacob Elordi, Rosamund Pike, Richard Grant. It's got a pretty solid cast. So I watched this movie because I was just like, fuck it. You know, I have to watch her follow-up. I was a little turned off by... Everything I heard about it, I, I, I kept hearing things like uh, talented Mr. Ripley thrown out there after watching it. I don't feel like no one has named like a uh, single white female either, because I felt like there was a lot of a lot of obsession theme in this, clearly. Um, 
It uh, it was an interesting movie. I didn't hate it. I didn't like it. But I'm going to use that word again. It's very toothless. This movie mm. has earned a reputation very quickly for being nuts. Oh, it's crazy. Oh, he he slurps up semen bath water. You know, he, mm. <laughs> he like, has. What's so crazy about that? <laughs> he has sex. He has sex with dirt. By the way, there's going to be spoilers, but it really does. Like, unless you want the shock effect of it, like who gives a shit? Like, you know, there's not much. I mean, there's one big thing we're not going to spoil, but you can kind of see it coming a mile away. But either way, <laughs> there's there's just mile this, away ain't the word, brother. You can see that thing like you can see that thing, you know, 25 miles away. I will say this. I really wish that hadn't been the case, because when I thought to myself, oh, that's what's happening. I was annoyed when you found out that's what's happening. Um, right. It was just really disappointing. But either way, all these shocking moments, you know, it's very it's very well noted on the Internet. Barry Keoghan does a nude scene. He actually does a couple of them. He didn't wear a prosthetic, blah, blah, blah. I don't know why it's always like news to everybody when a dude does a nude scene. Like, I don't understand. In that regard, we're still, we need to get on like Europe's level in terms of all nudity is just whatever, you know? But mm. it's always a big deal when right. when you have dudes getting nude in movies. Either way, the movie was pretty toothless. It thinks it's more clever than it is. But I enjoyed it. I laughed a lot. I thought it worked for what it was. It was very absurd as satire. Um, it's definitely not top 10 material, but it's definitely not, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. I, I, I find it to be very similar to the Babylon conversation after I, after I finished Babylon. Now, I do think Babylon's a better movie, but you know it was that thing of like either people are dying on that hill or they're like, this is the biggest load of bullshit. Damien Chazelle shouldn't be allowed to make any more movies. Right, right. But anyway, I've done a lot of talking. What did you think of it? Because uh, we we have discussed this a lot off pod as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, I actually, you know, and for, for any, I just want to give kind of an outline of the movie too, just to, because the movie starts out and there's, you know, there's a lot of affectation at the beginning with the, opening credits and stuff and it's kind of like what is what is this you know and like it makes you think there's like a, it's like a gag like it makes you think that you know this movie takes place in i don't know i guess we'll say 1800s britain you know and in, in oxford and whatever and you know the old english uh, uh type for the for the opening credits and everything and then it goes, and then it like flash cuts to like class of 2006. You know, this all takes place in 2006, which. Okay, sure. I don't, you well, know, I, I, don't I know. will say, like we talked about off pod, my thought is it takes place in 2006 because the twist cannot happen if it takes place in modern day. In my opinion, it just wouldn't work. Right. And the internet, the internet 3.0 or whatever we're in era. Yeah. Yeah. No, in 2006, it's... you were, you at least had some vague idea of privacy and security, but that notion is all but gone in 2024. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, so the first say, I, I want to say 30, 45 minutes, um, are basically about Barry Keegan's character. I refuse to say Keoghan. I refuse. Yeah, um, I don't know why you refuse to say Keoghan, but because it's that, weird. You, you can, you can. I don't know if you know this. You can pronounce names however you want. That's one of the rules. I don't, I don't know. If, 
I don't know if that's true. <laughs> no, it's true. Um, so how would you uh, say Jacob Alordi's name? Are you okay with Alordi or? Yeah, that sounds like a normal fucking name. Like, okay. you know. Okay, we're just trying to figure out where you're at on the name spectrum. So this helps. Right. Now, don't even get me started on Rosamund Piquet. Anyway, so it starts out with Barry Keegan's character. Um, uh, Basically, weird weird little guy is what he is. He's a weird little guy who goes to Oxford and falls in love with the handsome, apparently 6'9", Jacob Elordi. Uh, motherfucker is enormous. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's, um, it, I found it very effective. I, I like, you know, because it's, he, he's like some poor kid who has a family, bad family history scholarship boy. And he's in love with this, you know, very handsome, high class, popular guy, whatever. And, um, I found that to be very appealing and I found their relationship to be like, very genuine and their chemistry to be really good. And you can see why they like each other, kind of an opposites attract thing. I just, I thought it was setting us up for like a really effective um, romance, you know, but then they get to the, um, they get to Saltburn, the, the historic estate of his family. And, once they introduce his family, I thought the movie goes completely off the rails because I feel like the performances and the uh, just craziness of it is so like off the charts and so trying to be like quirky and crazy and kooky. It's like, look at this, look at this quirky bunch of rich people. And it's like, I just, it just not, it just completely fell flat for me. And I, I also don't know, I guess it's supposed to be making fun of them, like making fun of the rich, weird family. But like, you know, Richard E. Grant is oddly charming and so is Rosamund Pike. Like, I don't, I don't know if you did the right casting if you want us to like laugh at these people. You know what I mean? Like, look, pal, I'm going to say you're in the minority on this. Like, I've read a lot about this. Everybody thought this was funny. I don't know why you didn't think it was funny. It was very much making fun of them. I did not think they were charming. I thought they were scum of the earth. I enjoyed this movie about as much as I can enjoy a movie about a bunch of rich fucks. I mean, I guess. I, I don't know. I just didn't think it was... I don't know. I didn't I didn't think it was... Uh, I guess I didn't think it was that funny. I, Interesting. I don't know. I, so, so you're siding with the rich people. Oh, do you side <laughs> with the corporations too? Is that what you do? I mean, how can you make fun of job creators? That's what I want to know. <laughs> the, the, That's true. The, the, the engines of our society, you know, when, when the, uh, when the one, when the one, uh, uh, Farley, I believe was his name, when he calls out Jacob Elordi about his black staff and he's like, my father's been better to them than most people would have. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like yeah. oh, gee, golly. Thanks for that, mister. We appreciate that's it. That's pretty good. And that's another thing. I hated that Farley guy. Like, oh dude, me too. He was fucking insufferable. I hated him. I hated his face. I hated his voice. I hated everything about it. Like I was ready to kick that guy off the Island. You know, let's get him out of Saltburn. I don't know. Like, yeah. I, 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 sorry, well, go ahead. Well, no, I just want to say real quick. I, I, I was, ta- I don't know if you remember this. I was shit talking Jacob Elordi to you because uh, before I watched this movie, I was like, this motherfucker's going around. He thinks he's going to be Elvis after we just saw Austin Butler do the best version of it. 
He's talking shit about stuff, acting like he knows about film. And then I watch this movie and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm Team Alordi. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's, so, he's really good. He's just so cool in this movie, dude. Like, you want to hate him, right? You fucking like this rich prick, spoiled asshole. But it's like, no, people like that are the sun. You know what I yep. mean? And like, everyone wants to orbit around them. And it worked, dude. I agree with you about the beginning. Their relationship worked on every level. Lord is a star. I mean, it took, it literally, I, I don't think I've seen him in anything. And it took five minutes of him on screen to be like, yep. Yep, he's got he's got the secret sauce, you know. Yeah. Like, I really hope it makes us forget about that short little bastard Chalamet because uh, I'm Team Alordi all the way. I mean, Chalamet's got the sauce too, but just I feel like in a different way. But he lost the sauce the second he put on that fucking Wonka hat. <laughs> now, okay, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree <laughs> with you there. Yeah, the Wonka. Mm, I don't know about all that, but um, weirdly, weirdly, I think Chalamet may be a better actor than movie star. Whereas, you know what I mean? I think that's coming through with something like Wonka. It's like, dude, you look like an idiot, you know? Yeah. Like I guarantee, I guarantee you if Jacob Elordi played Wonka, it would be compelling. Cause that guy's a bona fide movie star, you know? Dude, I, I'm so, if he puts the top hat on, he's going to be like seven feet tall. It's insane. I think <laughs> right. I, I really do think he's six, five or six, six. It's nuts. Like every yeah, he, shot people were framed over, like clearly that's for other reasons as well. But everyone was above Barry by a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know, man. It's just, I, I also think it's um, expectations. Like, I feel like they, they set up the movie to be one thing. And then it just, because what happens is, for anybody who hasn't seen it, basically Barry Keegan's character starts doing very uncharacteristic things. Right. And that gets explained at the end of the movie. But while you're watching it, it's like, like there's a scene with him and the sister and it's like wait a second why is why is his character acting so different now than he was before you know what i mean like and it's just and it's like well that 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 must mean that x happens and you know surprise x does happen and that's the big twist or whatever but like you know what i mean like it, it like the movie that's why i think the the negative reaction to the movie is so so strong not because it's a bad movie bad movies they don't get conversations about them they're just people forget them and they just disappear into the ether you know like this is a movie that wastes i think it wastes a lot of talent and a lot of um star power and frankly a lot of money and set design it's you know like it's clearly very opulent and they filmed it at a real you know english manner or whatever but just like it, it misuses all of these things in order to be like a toothless twist ending thing. And it's like, dude, I, man, this could have been a good movie. It almost is. I think, you know, like that, that's why, like I was trying to get across, like, I don't fucking hate this thing. I just, I think promising young woman was almost the exact same way. I think that could have been a good movie. I just think the execution of it was, was off. Right. Like I didn't, I didn't hate it, you know, but like, I, I just found myself watching both it and Saltburn and being like, dude, there's a movie here. Like there's a good movie in here somewhere. It's just the execution of it is, you know, is poorly done. I think. Well, okay. A couple of things just real quick before we jump to our mystery movie is the fact that I agree with you about the, the, the uncharacteristic things he was doing. It was very annoying. The oral scene drove me yeah. insane because it's like, I don't like scenes in movies that are trying to be somewhat clever. 
and the yeah. scene is written like a joke we would have made when we were 15 writing a story and was like, oh, I'm going to put that in there because it's so fucked up and weird. Yes. It's like I, somebody should have been like, no, this scene isn't edgy. This doesn't make you look clever. It's just pretty stupid. Um, Dude, it's 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 the and I know you don't share this criticism, but like it's not just about the movie Shame and Steve McQueen. It's also like I feel like it's just a classic British thing to show. I'm not going to say it's normal to, you know, sip, you know, to like lick period blood off your fingers, but it's not like, you know, you know what I mean? There it's are not sexy. It's not sexy though. Like that's the thing. You can't right, even, you true. can't even make an audience believe that sexy. Right. And it's, it, there's no shame. I'm not being mean about anything, but I'm saying if you were trying to achieve something that is like, Oh, I desire that on some fantastical level, because that is the purpose of, of art and movies, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you miss the mark. And like, yeah. I, I, you know, and, and obviously I like, you know, I watched this with my wife. She shared this, shared the sentiment. It wasn't like, Oh, we're just giving a man's point of view. I'm sure there's several women out there who are like, yeah, this scene is fucking dumb. Yeah. Like it, you know, it's, it's, it, it is toothless is really is such a good word to describe it because it, 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 that scene is not shocking and it is not like weirdly arousing. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just kind of like it, you, you said it, you said it well, it's like, what is this? Like a high school gag, you know? Cause she literally is like, uh, no, it's not that time of the month. And he's like, I don't care. And it's like, dude, who, who wrote this? Did I write this at the age of 11? Like, um, like what is now? I will say, I will say the, the slurping of the bathwater, it wasn't so much the bathwater because you can, you can fool, you can be like, oh, well, that's clearly not, you know, like if you had a glass of the bathwater, it'd be like, well, that's clearly not bathwater. But it's the, him basically giving a rim job to the fucking drain in the tub. That was, see, dude, I, I, will, can... I will say, when I saw that, I was like, oh, shit. Like... Maybe I'm desensitized because I laughed at it. I thought it was fucking hilarious, but I, I was like, man, this movie better be edgier than this. Like, no, I, yeah, no, I'm with you on that. But, but like, I, it was just gross, man. Seeing his tongue go down in that drain, I was just like, oh, god damn. Like, yeah, that's that's disgusting. That yeah. is disgusting. But, but also, that moment was also really kind of the air was taken out of it by, again, being this like uncharacteristic, you know, thing. It, like, he, he didn't do weird shit through the whole movie or through the first like you know, hour of the movie. And then he all of a sudden just starts doing the most bizarre shit. And it's like, wait a second, what the fuck is he doing? Like, he's just been a, a weird, odd little guy until now. And now he's, now he's tonguing a drain. What is going on? You know, dude, I am not claiming to be a good writer by any means, but a couple of those scenes, I was like, man, this is what she should have done. And then we could have had a conversation. Like, <laughs> Then we well, could be like, okay, this shit is legit. Well, well, we well we talked about it off pod too. I think we had the same reaction. There's a scene at the end where there's a, a, one of the characters is uh, in a vegetative state, and he lifts up her dress, and I was like, "Oh, okay, we might be getting somewhere now." Yeah, we might like, be we, finally pushing this envelope. Right, right. But then, of course, he doesn't do it because it's not that kind of movie. It's toothless, like you said. You know, like it's. So I have I have two quick things. Um, before we move on, if you're done, uh, yeah, one yeah, is yeah. one is the dead giveaway for me, and this is gonna be this is gonna sound weird, but I I, I this yeah, I think you'll agree. No kid 
who comes from an abusive home and and like has the story he has is going to be so well groomed and in such great shape. That made mm. zero sense. I know that for the movie, you know, like oh, you 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 have to have like cool hot movie stars, blah blah blah. Right. It's just like you know whatever. Even Richard Grant, for as weird as he is, his eccentricness makes him like somewhat handsome. Like you know, you just don't put ugly people in movies like this. Right. Right. But but that was just like it was just like no, this doesn't make any sense. Like you're like the scene when they're in the field. And they're like, oh, no clothes out here. And he immediately takes his shorts off. It's like, no, this does not. You haven't earned some of the shit that you're trying to make me believe. Right. Yeah. So it just yeah, annoyed me. Yeah, he's he's not. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. There's there's a couple of things that you're like, this doesn't make any sense. And then it's kind of like Shyamalan's worst impulses where you get to the end and you're like, uh, OK, you know, like, let's, you know, like this didn't really pay off the way I thought it was going to, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. But I I will say, I want to end on a positive note. One of the funniest things I've seen all year in a movie is in Richard Grant is talking to Rosamund Pike and they were like, Oh, let's have a, let's have a, um, uh, you know, the, what's the fucking Shakespeare? Um, you know, the, the, the fucking, Midsummer's Night, uh, Midsummer's Night Dream. Oh that, yeah, 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 Midsummer Night Dream. Yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. hey, let's have a Midsummer's Night Dream theme, and he's like, ah, I can wear my suit of armor, and like yeah. you kind of like forget he said that, and then like ten minutes yeah. later, Richard Grant is in a fucking suit of armor having a conversation with someone, and it is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, full suit of armor, like grabbing a drink off a tray, like it's, and like the nothing. only way he can drink it is because his face guard is up. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that's, you know, that's, uh, I'll just, uh, I'll, this is the last thing I'll say, but that, that's another thing that kind of lightly annoyed me. And I looked it up afterwards that like, she, she talked about how like, she didn't want it to seem too glamorous, you know, um, because, and that's one of the reasons why I should have mentioned this earlier when you said 2006, because um, I looked it up after we talked about it off pod. She said, one of the reasons she said it in 2006 is so it wouldn't be like modern day glamorous uh, rich. It would be like uh, the, what rich people would do in a kind of outdated way, you know, almost 20 years ago. And that doesn't come across at all for a couple of reasons. One of them is that culture really has not changed that much since 2006. I mean, some things have, but like the music that they play, doesn't sound out of place today and like the stuff they were wearing doesn't sound out of place it looks like euphoria you know what i mean like it it, like culture has not changed that much and the the only people who would notice that shit are people who are really into like makeup and fashion trends and stuff like that and those type of people are just going to be like this movie's lame anyways you know like those are the only people that are going to get that message conveyed to them that, that this is that, Oh, well, like, wasn't the fads of yesteryear so silly. And it's like, I don't know. It all looks pretty fucking normal to me, you you know, like pretty, like looks to me like what rich people would do nowadays. You know why, you know why it looks to me like that? Cause I don't go to fucking rich people events, you know, (laughs) like, I I don't know. It it just felt to me like a really like um, inside baseball choice for her to make. Like, Oh, isn't this so silly? This is how rich, this is how we used to think it was cool to be. And it's like, okay, 
I guess. I don't know any of this shit. Also, like, you can pitch that shit up the street. It's not a matter of used to be. It's a matter of, no, it's only gotten worse. You know, fucking Jeff Bezos just spent $100 million on a backup yacht. I mean, don't fucking right. say that the rich people of yesteryear, like, get the fuck out of here with that shit. That doesn't even make any sense to me. I know. Like, it's like, like she thought that people would watch and be like, hmm, how passe is all this? And it's like, no. No, we're not all rich like you. By the way, did you know she's like the heir to like a jewelry fortune? <laughs> no, but that makes it even better. Yeah, um, she's like like her her dad was the guy who made like uh he made like millions making like jewelry for like the rich and famous. Well, I didn't know that, but hey, I still say I like her and I will watch her third movie and I'm looking forward to it. Um Oh god, get the, the fuck out of here. Well, the only that th- you know on a closing note, I will say I was disappointed because early on I was like this is going to be really interesting to see this movie that is about obsession, this unhealthy obsession that has nothing to do with love. It doesn't matter gender doesn't matter, sexual orientation doesn't matter. None of this matters because this is about an individual's obsession with an idea, with a concept. And it was really interesting to play with that. And then she completely lets the air out of the balloon at about the hour mark. And that really sucked. So, yeah. And there's still really no explanation for why he did what he did. Nope. None at all. Like none. I literally zero explanation, which you don't want that. You don't want that in a movie, (laughs) you know, like you, you want people to walk out and at least understand what the fuck happened, you know? So let's just get to our next movie that is, you know, heard a lot about this movie going into it. You watched it. We talked about it. You liked it. I didn't dislike it. I enjoyed it. But this movie falls into the category of toothless as well. Uh, mm. I watched I watched Barbie. Whoa. Yeah. This so is like this is we just talked the other day and you were like, dude, I, I'm not watching Barbie. I can't for until like a few months later. I have like an unfair mental block because of how politicized it was. It has nothing to do with anything to do with the movie, but it's like you have the right screaming, you have the left screaming. I saw all that shit on the internet and I'm like, this is fucking exhausting. I'm so tired of this shit. Just let art be art. Let a movie be a movie. So then I listened to Greta Gerwig on Mark Maron's podcast because I'm a huge fan of hers. And I was like, you know, I got to fucking watch this. Like, I need to stop being a bitch and just watch this movie, you know, whatever. So I I, li- I liked it. Like, I, I almost loved it in a way. Like, I enjoyed Ryan Gosling was so funny. Margot Robbie never disappoints. Everybody did a great job. Um, clearly, there's no reason to tell you guys what it's about because it made a billion dollars and everyone has seen it. Um, you know, the, the only person I say was greatly miscast and she's terrible and I don't think she's funny at all is... Um, I'm trying to find her. I'm looking at their IMDb, but I'm not seeing her name. Um, it's the it's the, the played the mom. Is it Ferrera? America Ferrera? Oh, America Ferrera. Yeah. Yeah, she's bad. Um, yeah. Hey, did you know Emerald Fennell was in this movie? Yeah, she plays. Uh, it's like a cameo, right? Yeah, yeah. She plays Midge. Um, yeah. Anyway, I didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know what you're about to say. say Yeah, Yeah, I don't know what you're about to say, but judging by that amount of laughter, don't say it. Um, So, dude, this movie is toothless when it comes to like, I don't mean Greta Gerwig made a toothless movie. I'm not implying that. I mean, in terms of the reaction this movie got, you had fucking that little crazy imp, Ben, 
Shapiro, whatever his fucking name is, burning dolls in a grill in the front yard. You know, uh. you you've got you've got people on the left like saying, "I weeped at this movie because of how how great and painful it was to witness and all that." And I'm like sitting through the movie. First of all, it runs out of steam the la- in the third act. Like I don't know what the fuck's going on with the Ken battle and all this bullshit. Yeah. Um, but dude, the first hour was genuinely fucking awesome. It was mm. hilarious. Ryan Gosling is so funny. Margot, like I said, Margot Robbie, dude, she doesn't miss. Like she is so good in this movie. Um, her comedic timing is good. Everything works. But uh, they just didn't know what to do with the whole Mattel bit. Because, you know, yeah. Greta Gerwig's thing was like, everybody's a character and Mattel's in on the bit. But it's like, well, how much were they in on the bit? Because you guys, they disappeared once they made it to Barbie land and we didn't see them for like 20 minutes. It was right. really weird. Um, but anyway, the movie didn't have anything new to say. Yeah, the world sucks. Yeah, it's hard to be a woman. Like, yeah, every like, you know, it, it's hard to be human. Everything fucking sucks. The movie pretty much conveys that pretty well. And um, they did hit some things on the head that I thought were clever and funny. But for the most part, I don't know why everybody was up in a like in an uproar about this shit, because it's like, yeah, this was like I didn't feel attacked as a man watching this movie. You know, Uh, a lot of the shit they said was true and funny. So I don't know. The problem is and this is a larger conversation, you know, like and this is a hobby horse that I go back to. And I was going to say it about Saltburn but I just feel like I've said it too much. And so, but now Barbie is just the perfect example of this. It's like people, especially these directors who get, you know, basically they're, they're not journeymen. They get their, you know, they get their projects that they want to, to do. They get to do them and, and take ownership of them. They can't, you know, they can't be satisfied with just making an entertaining movie anymore. You know, like, and that's what I think is the the real failure of Barbie at the end of the day. Like, it is so funny and so creative. And I mean, that's, that, that's really it. That's all. I mean, dude, that's, that should be enough. You know what I mean? It should be enough to be a funny, creative movie that everybody likes and watches. Right. And, but it, it, it it's not content to just be that it has to be a politically meaningful movie that empowers every single woman on the planet. And it's like, dude, I, why can't you just make a movie? You know, like, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying there, there shouldn't be political movies or whatever. Like, I'm not saying that at all, or there shouldn't be movies that empower women. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just saying like, you should be content to just make an entertaining, fun movie. It doesn't have to be, this grand statement and have all of the ideas that you've ever thought of and put into this movie, you know, like it, it is perfectly fine to just entertain the masses. It, I promise it really is. You know, it's like the, the Jordan Peele thing, bro. I promise you it is fine to just direct like thumbscrew movies that, that, that people enjoy, you know, but it's like, it, there's a, and like Nick Pinkerton writes about this in his latest missive, which is one of the most pessimistic things I've ever read in my life. But he, he talks about there, there is an air of desperation around uh, big directors, movies, you know, an air of 
Ooh, I might, I might not get the chance to do this again, you know? Uh, and he, he references the Fablemans and he referenced uh, Asteroid City, you know, that Wes Anderson is creating some of the most complicated and busy worlds that he's ever done. Cause he's, th- he might be th- subconsciously thinking, I'm not get to, I'm not going to get to keep doing this very long, you know? Um, same with Spielberg with the Fablemans. That doesn't mean they're bad movies. It just means there's, you know, far from it, you know, in the case of Fablemans, especially, but like, there's an air of like, uh, movies are dying. I might not get to do this very often. So I better, I better put everything I've got and every thought I've ever had into one movie, you know? And I feel like that's kind of how Barbie is almost in a way, even though she's going to turn around and make Narnia, you know, but there's just a whiff of desperation of like, I've got, I've got to put it all in here. This is, this movie has to be everything for everybody. And it's like, man, you could have just made elf. You could have just made elf for girls. You know, and it would have been hilarious, but it's, it's gotta be more than that. We got, it's gotta be politically relevant. It's gotta be, you know, whatever. I mean, anyways, I've already said all this about this fucking movie. So yeah. Look, I'm going to agree with a caveat. So I see what you're saying. I understand it. And I agree with most of it, but the problem with your logic to this movie is you can't just make a Barbie movie because I liked, you know, I'm going to say this. You're right. No, you're Noah, right. Noah Baumbach is the problem here <laughs> because I think if Greta had tried to write this by herself, it would not be in some parts as preachy and weird as it is. Look, I'm sorry. Noah Baumbach strikes me as a type of guy. <laughs> like, I'm going to say <laughs> no, Baumbach... let him cook. Let him cook. Noah Baumbach strikes me as the type of guy that goes to parties saying he's a feminist. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. And it's like, I don't mean disrespect to feminists when I say that, just to be clear. I mean, like, I don't feel a need to tell the world what I believe because I believe in equality. You know, I, be- right, I have common yeah, yeah, yeah. sense. I'm a critical thinker. Like, I don't fucking need to preach what I believe when it comes to that. I think he's the type that does. He's very pretentious. And I like his movies, typically. And I like him as a director. But I think him getting involved maybe threw a wrench in things because I wanted Greta Gerwig to make a movie about something that has been, that has plagued women and young women. For, for decades to do with body image issues, unrealistic expectations, things like that. I mean, Jesus, we didn't even get a fucking regular Barbie that showed she could be a regular independent woman for like, I think 20 or 30 years after it came out. And I'm not a right. Barbie historian, so, you know, don't hold me to that. But also, even when we did, it was like, look at me, I have my money. I made it. Like, I didn't borrow it. I didn't get it from a man. Right. And it's like, so they were fighting an uphill battle. So when you make a Barbie movie, you can do it and take that power back, which I really like that aspect. Take that power of individuality back that, you know, this is Barbie land. The kids are second fiddle because as he says at the end, what am I without you? It's Barbie and Ken. It's not just Ken. It's not Ken and Barbie. So there was some really interesting threads to follow but I do think it got bogged down a bit in the politics. But for most of the movie, that didn't bother me because it was so funny. Yep. So I feel like a lot of people, like that idiot Ben Shapiro and whatever other douchebag found this to be problematic, were so lost feeling their masculinity that probably didn't even exist to begin with was being attacked <laughs> that they missed a lot of the humor because, dude, Ryan Gosling is a funny, charming dude. He's just an idiot. And I'm sorry, but I think that's like, like that's a lot of men. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. It, yeah. it works. The, one of the best fucking lines in the movie is when he's like, at first I thought men 
and horses ran the world, but then I realized horses was just an extension of man. (laughs) (laughs) Like everything about this dude, he's walking around with books about the patriarchy and brought them back to Barbie land. And like some of the shit was genius level. Like I really thought it was clever, but it does get too bogged down. I want this movie without Noah's involvement. And I, that Matt, that may sound like an asshole thing to say, but I want this movie with just Greta, even Greta and Margot, dude. Don't write it with fucking Noah. Write it with like yeah. Margot or Issa Rae, who's fucking hilarious. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I you know, I. And it's not just the politics either. It's they try to they they try to also squeeze in this being some kind of character moment for Barbie, where she has to decide if she's going to continue to be a Barbie or not. It's like, dude, just what? stop. You know what I mean? Like your protagonist doesn't have to have an arc, you know, you know, like it doesn't have to. And, and like, it doesn't have to. And like the movie has a lot of fun with, um, you know, battle of the sexes type stuff. In fact, I will say this might be one of, the, I mean, this is a, one of the few movies that's come out in like the past 30 years to do. Cause you know, battle of the sexes used to be like a really fun, uh, aspect of like 30s romantic comedies and stuff and then you know people started getting gun shy of that stuff because it's really hard to do without making the guy seem like an asshole or the woman seem like you know she's just a doormat right and this movie did a really good job of that of men and women you know fighting back and forth and competing for you know uh attention or whatever and but but it also depicted that and then it was like oh also we have to solve it by the end of this movie too it's like no you don't it's a movie yeah yeah there's no reason to try to solve it like just just let it breathe and let it be funny um right yeah just like it's you already did a great job by bringing back the battle of the sexes into mainstream american movies you know what i mean like it's it's funny just let it breathe let it let it be a fucking funny movie now, I don't know if you're going to agree with this, but before we move on, I wanted to point out, I think a lot of what she says in that big monologue at the end um, is more of an indictment of capitalism than it is of of like how how women are treated in society. I, I really got a lot of that. And also, I can't believe since all these right wingers were like jumping on this movie as an affront to fucking masculinity. Nobody even mentioned that I read about like this movie also like really goes after like quote unquote white privilege. Um, right. So I thought like it really tried to do a lot and some of it worked and some of it didn't. And typically that's forgivable. But when you're like, I can't help it. The movie made a billion dollars. It had a lot of eyeballs on it, had a lot of critiques of it, a lot of different interpretations, a lot of shits being made about this movie. So I would never under normal circumstances look at a Barbie movie from such a critical perspective, but it, it kind of asked for it because of, of what it is. And I, I was think just about to say it is asking for it. it, yeah. it it's positioning itself as a morally good, uh, politically relevant movie. Yeah. And something Which, that Greta Gerwig said during the Mark Maron podcast that I agree with is like, look, art should always be open for interpretation. There should, everything should be fluid. Nothing should be, this is what it means. That's the end of it. Like, that's not the way art should work. So this movie she, she can be told taken. Herself that when she was writing the script. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think the ideas that the movie has are rather rigid, but that's because equality 
typically should be a kind of rigid idea. It shouldn't be a, well, we'll give you this for that and all that shit. That's like, good no, point. Good point. The, the yeah. idea should be rather rigid. So I don't know if like a quality or any of that should be fluid. But overall, there's so many things you can take away from this movie. Some of it works. Some of it doesn't. But I was kind of blown away by it. Um, but the biggest thing is, I will say, and then I'm done and, and you can add whatever you want, um, is the fact that I am glad that I watched a movie that everyone was obsessed with and it was a real movie, really funny, yep. made some good points. I, I enjoyed it. I laughed. It was whatever compared to the shit show <laughs> that was when the world was obsessed with that fucking steaming pile of hot garbage, everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> and mainly I said that to take another shot at that movie, but also I'm being serious. I really am glad of a real movie people were obsessed with. This was a real bona fide, funny Hollywood movie with a great cast. And I, I like that of it. Like, that's a huge positive. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is. I mean, let's be real. It, like Oppenheimer Barbie is probably the last, the last gasp of American mainstream cinema you know but like d- hell yeah man like the, the monoculture was back for a weekend and the monoculture wasn't about a fucking tv show wasn't about game of thrones it wasn't about well the monoculture hasn't been about music forever but um it was about two fucking movies good old-fashioned movies meant to be seen in one setting you know and and Barbie being, you know, funny and in, and like creative and all that shit. Yeah, no, I'm I'm 100% with you. It's hard not to be like even though there were certain parts of the movie that I thought were, you know, our word of the week, toothless and whatever. Dude, at the end of the day, it was a fucking entertaining mainstream movie that everybody saw and that you could talk to anybody with cuz everybody saw it. Like it's I don't know. That that is fun. That that is something that is missing, you know, from from movie culture and from our, you know, pop culture in general, you know? Well, I lied. I have two quick things to add uh, before we move on. Um, one is, um, I just completely spaced. Oh yeah. Talking about it being toothless. I would have rather it be like, fuck you for being a man, you piece of shit. Yes. <laughs> I, yes. I would have rather it been like you fucking asshole. The patriarchy ruined everything. You guys fucking suck. Women should run shit for a while. Look, I'd, I'd be, I, I'll take that. You know, that's yeah. a fucking movie to get mad about. That's a movie for like, yeah. you know, little Ben Shapiro's and around the world to get angry about. But this yeah. movie was just like, no, like you're making a lot of good points. Why am I going to get mad at you for it? <laughs> like, <laughs> No, 100%. Well, and also like regarding the conservative backlash, I mean, it's uh, first of all, I don't think a lot of them even saw the fucking movie. And if they did, they didn't even understand it. You know what I mean? Like, it's, that's true. So, so much of that shit is just knee jerk. Like at this point, like we're going to get so many clicks if we you know, if I burn Barbie on a grill or whatever, and it's like, dude, it, I mean. And yeah. um, the other thing is, look, a lot of people said, oh, I'll double header this with Oppenheimer because Oppenheimer is so heavy and dark and Barbie's so light. And it's like, no, I'm going to disagree because Barbie nails the idea of how shitty and constant existential dread you can be in just by being human. It doesn't mm. matter if you're a man or a woman or wh- any. Doesn't matter what you are. Doesn't matter what you what ideas you you abide by. It it is difficult to be human, and the movie captures that darkness. And I didn't find much peace in the end with Rhea Perlman showing her that. Um, 
you know, I'm sorry. It was still pretty fucking heavy. And it's like, Barbie, you're making a huge mistake. Get your ass back on that island and be fucking happy being a Barbie. <laughs> like, yeah, no, 100%. Don't dude. There, do it's, this. It's, it was kind of like a Matrix uh, thing. It's oh, like, dude, so much of a Matrix thing in like every way. Yeah, no, and but the movie, you're right. It's like, it's kind of like a Wings of Desire. Like, wouldn't you rather be a human than this? this kind of immortal idea being it's like no no i absolutely would not like <laughs> yeah i'm okay i'm okay with just being this immortal idea i'm good yeah i'm okay with living every day like it's you know fucking paradise barbie land you know and like yeah no it's uh and also the movie didn't give us a great you know like like why would barbie want to go and be a part of the real world whenever she goes to the real world everything is awful she doesn't experience anything good there yeah not at all like la fucking suck why do you want to go somewhere where you know your ideas failed like everything fucking sucks it's not how you thought also you have to hang out with ferrera every day which sounds awful (laughs) jesus yeah dude that that speech of hers man like people are talking about i can't believe it wasn't nominated for best screenplay or didn't win screenplay at the golden globes and it's like dude that's not screenwriting. It's a speech. Like, it, yeah, it, it, it grinds the movie to a screeching halt. And just because you agree with the sentiment of it, like, I agree that capitalism is bad. But do I want fucking Gandalf looking at the camera and going, hey, uh, FYI, capitalism's bad before he attacks in Helm's Deep? No. I, you know, like, <laughs> I don't want that shit in my fucking movies. I don't want big speeches about you know, the ills of the world, you know, just keep the movie going. Also, Judd Apatow got mad whenever Barbie, he was defending Barbie because apparently it got nominated for best adapted screenplay opposed to rest original or like that's the category they put it in for like the Golden Mm. Globes or something. And he was bitching about it because he's like, no, this is an original idea. And it's like, without this toy that's been around for several decades, you would have no movie. It is adapted from a long line of toys, Barbie, Barbie Dreamhouse, all the dozens of different Barbies. What are you talking about, Judd? This is not an original script. This is adapted. Like, <laughs> I mean, that that's just so stupid. Like, like if they call, if they had a movie called Barbie and it was just about a woman named Barbie starring Margot Robbie, it'd be one thing. But this movie is literally about the toy. Like, it's yeah, dude. It's just I just I, I wanted to bring that up because it's so dumb. Um. Anyway, we're ready to move on to our next one. Yeah, Barbie's good though. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't it's wanna, good. It's a good movie. It's funny. It's re- like really funny. Like I don't. I don't want to leave on a sour note with Barbie. It was a good movie, and I'm glad it was made, and I'm glad everybody saw it. Yeah, and if this, like I said, if this movie had came out, made some money, and moved on, I wouldn't have even had all these thoughts about it. But like my right. brain was geared for these thoughts because of the baggage that came with the movie. But the movie didn't disappoint. Solid movie, funny. Watch it if you haven't. If you're on the fence about it. Just put it on. It's less than two hours and it's entertaining for the most part. So, yeah, and most likely you've already seen it because yeah, that's uh, true. everybody, everybody in the world saw it. But, but us, it did take me like two years to watch Parasite. So, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I forget about that. So this one, I don't know how much meat's on this bone before we jump into our best for last. But um, you watched it and I watched it a long time ago. So I figured we could touch on it briefly. Uh, Knock at the Cabin from M. Night Shyamalan. Um, this came out in February, dude. It feels like so long ago, even though it is approaching a year. But mm. um, while vacationing, a girl and her parents are taken hostage by armed strangers who demand the family make a choice to avert the apocalypse. That choice is murdering one of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's based on a book, which I still need to read because I've heard it's good. 
Um, dude, I loved it. Batista was great. Garoff was great. It, I mean, um, I don't know, man. I thought it was fucking cool. I love the tone of it. I love what M Knight did with it. Uh, I enjoyed the overall concept of it. What about you? No, I loved it too. I have nothing negative to say about this movie. This is, you know, when I, when I talk about it's perfectly okay to just be a, a director of cheap entertainments, this is exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. Like it, this is exactly what I'm talking about. And he directs the hell out of this movie. And just like the, the beach that makes you old, man, like he, the, the, the way he uses the camera is so creative and um, yeah, I don't know, man. He, he, he is, he is doing exactly what I want. The Soderbergh model, which is taking a simple concept and elevating it, not through theme and, making it a political allegory and all this other stuff, not, not through any of that, elevating it through pure style alone, right? Like this would have been a good cookie cutters by the number horror movie if just anybody had made it. But what makes it different about Shyamalan making it? One, he knows he's making trash, right? And I mean that in the best possible way. He knows the material is pulpy and silly and whatever, and he's leaning into it. And the other thing is, He's filming it visually in an interesting and fascinating way, right? And, dude, I, what more can you ask for from a genre movie? Like, it's, to me, this is, like, the perfect, it's the perfect blueprint for a movie, in my opinion. And the only well, thing, <laughs> oh, sorry, go no, ahead. No, you can, you can go ahead. I can save it. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, the only thing keeping me from, from like this being on my top 10 and one of my favorite movies of the year. I, I don't like movies where everybody's freaking out all the time, you know? And this is just a personal, this is just a personal thing. Like the first 45 minutes or I don't know, 40 minutes, whatever, before everybody kind of like gets tired out, you know, from just freaking out all the time is just everybody freaking out. Like these two guys, are freaking the fuck out their kid is freaking out and for some reason everybody else that's there to kill them but dave bautista is also freaking out like everybody's just like ah oh god oh fuck like, <laughs> and it's just, like movies like that are never going to be like my personal favorite because i just i just kind of have like a oh i wish everybody would just calm down but that being said that that's not taking anything away from the actual movie itself it, it is great i loved it it's just that's just a personal like you know peccadillo of mine just when everybody's panting and screaming and crying and stuff, I'm just like, can we tone it down just a bit? I, uh, I love movies like that. I love anxiety driven movies, freak out movies. Um, I don't know. They just feel there's something comforting about them. Um, I, I, I like certain types of anxiety. Like I like an uncut gems type of anxiety where it's like a, almost like a slow build of somebody, a man just slowly destroying his life, you know, but like, yeah, it's I like the, that too. It's the, the panting is the, the word I keep going back to. It's the, everybody's just, oh God, oh God, what's happening? You know, and like I'm just like, oh my God, please, someone calm down. There's a great uh, South Park uh, thing where they tackle, um, what's the Abrams movie with the giant monster? Oh, Cloverfield. Uh, yeah, they do a Cloverfield thing. And then Randy, who is like Stan's dad, who's like this complete and utter buffoon is running around with a camera and he keeps looking in the camera talking about how startled he is. 
and he's like he's like panting like a like a fucking Blair Witch not dripping out of the nose type of angle. Yeah. And he's yeah, like, yeah. oh, I'm so fucking startled right now. I'm so startled. <laughs> That's um, so good, man. Yeah, it's like, it's you know, it reminds me of Gravity. Like, and I oh actually, God, Why I actually like that up? movie. But dude, ninety nine percent of it is Sandra Bullock freaking the fuck out. Dude, <laughs> it's like, dude, I can't take this. I can't. You know, that just completely ruined my. Just you bringing it up completely ruined <laughs> my. I hate that movie so much. Um, <laughs> No, what I, I actually was... like, I actually like it. I think it's well made, but it, dude, it is. It is the whole movie is just Sandra Bullock going, "Oh God, I'm in space! Oh fuck, space! Oh no!" It's like, it's like it didn't fucking sneak up on you. Um, right. <laughs> no, real quick though, with Knock at the Cabin, I finished that movie, and I was watching it by myself late at night, and I'm like, "What if it's all true? Like, what if? Right. What if? Like, then I, my brain started going over all these disasters, like tsunamis in Indonesia." earthquakes all this shit what if somewhere when that happened someone had to murder a loved one to get it to stop like mm. <laughs> and yeah, i was like, like this is so cool like the thread to follow down this is just so like i don't know i just love the subject matter and then you went next door and you said a sacrifice must be made <laughs> it's like it's like it starts raining a little bit too hard i'm like okay i want to kill yeah. somebody yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> apocalypse is here um, he also does a really good job of like holding off the answer, like whether or not this is real or not until, you know, the narrative can't take it anymore and it kind of has to commit one way or the other. And boy, when it commits, it commits like, Oh yeah, I man. I, it, it just, it just lands the plane really well. Cause you're the whole time you're thinking, which is it? Is this a conventional horror movie and these people are insane or is this actually a post-apocalyptic thing? And then when it, when it decides what it's going to be, it leans into that wholeheartedly. Like it, I don't know. It's really well written, man. Well written, well directed. I, you can't ask for more from a movie. Well, except for maybe less panting. <laughs> I'm so, oh, I'm so startled right now. <laughs> that's what that's what Jonathan Groff made me think of. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, actually, I, I was I was thinking of the other one. The other guy. I feel like the other guy. If Jonathan Groff calms down about ten minutes in. That other guy is on. 90 miles an hour the whole fucking movie like that is true i, I feel like he is just like even jonathan groff's calms calms down and he's like what are you what are you so calm for what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> i mean dude the only reason this movie's not gonna be on my top 10 is just because it got knocked out but this movie like i watched back in february and it's been on my it's been on my mind ever since so this is a legitimately solid fun entertaining everything you would want from a movie, you know, like you already pointed out with him, not what he, what he's doing. So if you haven't yeah. watched this movie, watch it. We don't want to spoil it. Even though it's been out for like a year. Like if you've been on the fence or you forgot about it, go back and watch it because all you people that hate it old, you were wrong then. And you're wrong now. Cause that movie rocks. So the dude, <laughs> the dude is on a streak. I can't wait to see what he does. His daughter's got a movie coming out this year. That sounds very much in the same vein as her dad. I'm pumped. I hope it's like generational talent. I'll I'll take movies like this every fucking day of the week. Hundred percent, dude. Yeah, old and old. I would say I would say this is on par with old. I personally enjoyed old more because there was some there was some just chill scenes of people talking by the beach. You know, it wasn't quite as quite as quite as dialed up to ten. But but yeah, I would put them on on par with each other. Honestly, he's you're right. He's on a streak. 
Yeah, man. He's yeah. I I, I really I like yeah. I enjoyed old two. So uh, best for last. We teased this movie last week, and uh, I watched this movie a while back and didn't mention it to you because I didn't think you'd want to watch it. But then you told me you watched it, and then you loved it, and I was even more surprised, but also you know pleasantly surprised. Uh, that movie is Champions. Uh, Bobby Fairley directed it. Woody Harrelson, Caitlin Olson, and it's about a minor league basketball coach who was ordered, uh, by the way, if you haven't heard of this movie, that's okay, because it pretty much came out in theaters for like two weeks and then disappeared. Um, yeah, yeah, completely disappeared into the ether. So uh, Woody Harrelson is a coach. He gets he goes to court for DUI, you know, the same old setup, very similar, like Mighty Ducks type of situation. Um, and then the, the court, the judge gives him um, community service with a team of players with intellectual disabilities. And then basically, you know, it's pretty by the numbers in terms of what it is mm. with him learning to be more tolerant and like not be so judgmental and et cetera, et cetera. But the movie has so much fucking heart and it works so well, but I want you to go off dude. Cause you fucking, I think you like this movie more than me. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So, so basically everything that we just said about knock at the cabin you know, is I don't think it is original. Not to say that we were trying to be original, but it's not very original. People have been saying that like well-made genre movies uh, that are that are almost like meat and potato cinema are um, fun. Very, they're fun, very exciting. They're fun to talk about. They're fun to watch. You know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And most of the time when we talk about it, we're talking about thrillers or maybe old Hollywood. They would have been talking about film noirs, crime movies, action movies are a big one, you know, like just good, solid 90 minute action genre movies. Well, when we say genre movies, we're really talking about only a handful of genres, right? We're only we're talking about action or we're talking about horror. We're talking about thrillers or whatever. We're not talking about this kind of movie, which is. A PG-13, a heartwarming, I don't know how else to say it. It's a mom movie, almost. Like, it, it, it's the kind of movie that you can watch with, you know, with, I don't know, maybe a couple of erection references, uh, you know, with the exception of those. Like, you can watch this with, you know, it's a, it's a relatively, like, family movie. It's a feel-good movie. Obviously, it's a sports movie. That's the main genre. But like, this is this is the knock at the cabin, but for after school special movies, almost like. And if that sounds like I'm like I'm like kind of denigrating the movie or the genre, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just like it's it's a genre, and it's so well executed, like so well executed and so perfect every note hits every every humor hits like every bit of humor hits it's funny it's heartwarming and it takes a lot of skill to be able to make a movie like this and not have it suck like i think this is a harder movie to make than something like saltburn right because you can't you know a movie like saltburn she can overindulge because of the crowd she's playing to and if they if if somebody doesn't like something in the movie, they'll think, well, this is this is it's all part of her vision or whatever. Nobody cares about Bobby Farrelly's vision in this movie. It's is it entertaining? Is it funny? Is it heartwarming? Is it entertaining? Right. 
and this movie is 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 that like times a million like it just nails everything it's perfect in the way that it's constructed and i'll tell you this bobby fairly does a great job whatever whatever but most of the success of the movie rests on woody harrelson doing an old-fashioned acting performance right he he he's not a chameleon in this movie he's just woody harrelson right he's playing himself very much so but that's what being a movie star is it's playing a version of yourself, being able to appear at ease on camera, have the screen presence, the way he delivers the lines, he sells the humor. Like, this is, it looks effortless, right? In the way that, like, classic performances like by Cary Grant or Robert Mitchum do. It looks completely effortless. Like, Woody Harrelson is just hanging out on the set. Of course, that's an illusion, right? He, he's, he's an actor, and he's memorizing lines and all that. But he's making it look so effortless, and it's just such a, it's such a movie star role. And I feel like if you put anybody else but him in this movie, it's not going to be nearly as effective and successful. And there's something about that simple craftsmanship that I was just, I was just blown away by. Because, like, it's very easy to be like, oh, that was a 90-minute well-directed action movie or thriller or horror movie. That was great. But... To be a nine, a good ninety minute or two hour, however long it was, feel good, family friendly comedy sports movie. To be able to nail that genre, that's really really difficult, I think. And yeah, I don't know. That's my that's my take on it. Well, what's what's really interesting about this movie in terms of where it succeeds and where I think it's more than what it is on paper out, you know, feel like you, all the things you said, I agree with feel good movie, classic performance from Woody Harrelson, you know, classic story of, of like, it's not, it it has nothing to do with them being underdogs and winning a game. That is not the point of the movie. The point of the movie is this character on this path to learning, to not be an asshole, to be more tolerant, to, to practice, um, viewing the world differently and, and not being judgmental, et cetera, et cetera. But the movie excels because nothing feels contrived. Yeah. Like clearly you can't get away from the whole DUI aspect. You know, there has to be an inciting incident. That's just screenwriting. But when it comes to the rest of it, nothing feels contrived. The third act conflict is very realistic. But what I love about it is the way the third act conflict is resolved because like, this is a spoiler, but you know, there's not much to spoil about this movie guys. If you haven't seen it, watch it. We're clearly in- endorsing it, but he gets an opportunity to go coach somewhere, which is all he's wanted. He's talked about mm. it since the beginning, but then it's like, well, you're getting all this attention because you're working with these adults with intellectual disabilities. So then it feels exploitative. Because it's like, oh, okay, you're only getting attention because of this, and they want to put them on camera because it's good for the ratings and ESPN, you know, all that political bullshit to do with, you know, having something like that on TV. And he makes the right choice because that's how movies work. But the point being, that is something that really works. Like, it is not not cliched. It is something to where it's addressing the overall exploitative nature of the business, and then the character through his learning makes the right decision because he's no longer a selfish asshole. Right. But see, I, I want to just add a little bit of a commentary there. It, it, the blueprint for that is not 
uh, inherently interesting or new, right? It's 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 a screenwriting trope. The character, you know, Pixar does this a lot when when they're golden age. Um, the character gets what they want, and it turns out to not like it turns it turns out not to be exactly what they wanted. You know what I mean? It's like this is this is an uh, this is an obvious example, but Woody and Buzz in Toy Story, right? Woody gets what he wants. Buzz is out of the picture. They Buzz gets kicked off the ledge, and you know Sid finds him, and and whatever. So Woody gets what he wants, but the movie's not over because he's not satisfied. He got what he wanted, but what he wanted wasn't. He thought he wanted it, but it turns out there's something deeper there, right? And that's a classic screenwriting trope. But what matters is what you're what you're coloring in to those lines, right? And like you said, the, the the fact that he, you know, it wasn't just that he got what he wanted and it like he didn't get what he wanted and then go to the job and then like all oh, his new job sucks. No, he got what he wanted, but he found out the only reason he got what he wanted is because they were exploiting the the guys that he got to know and love and bond with over, you know, the course of the movie. And that is what makes it so powerful, you know, like that's, it's the coloring inside of those lines. And I think that's the movie as a whole, the blueprint is easy, right? It's sports movie, feel good. You know, this, this it's Gordon Bombay from the mighty ducks. Right. But what colors in the blueprint, you know, is Woody Harrelson's performance. It's the deft handling of these actors with intellectual disabilities. It's, you know, it's the love interest thing not being even remotely forced and feeling perfectly natural between him and Caitlin Olsen. And it's it's the moments of triumph really being earned. Dude, that scene at the end, I, I fucking cried at that scene at the end. There's a scene at the end where they're in a pool and everybody's having fun. That was so moving, dude. The fact that everybody was having fun at the end of the movie and it felt earned. It felt like they really fucking earned that. I, I, man, I, I can't say enough good things about this movie. Did Barbie teach you anything? Men don't cry. Oh, you sorry. hide it. Now, at least you were crying alone, so that helps it. But don't yeah, tell nobody people. saw me. Um, no, I, I, dude, I agree with everything. Every, everything you said. Everything about this movie works. This movie should have been cheesy and dumb. This should have been so derivative of every other sports movie, primarily Mighty Ducks. But it wasn't. Yeah. It excels at all those categories that it would fit in, all those genre, like the genres that it's in, and everything just works. But I do want to say, you know, before we before we wrap up and get out of here, my my favorite aspect of this movie is whenever Cheech Marin, who's in this for very little, but he's so fucking cool in everyday thing he's in, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, he's giving him oh yes, no, like like, no, these guys, no, they're not what you think. And then he basically does a rundown of characters as they run out the door and they're like, bye coach and breaks yep. down. Oh, this one has a job. Oh, this one volunteers as a pet store. This one, like these guys are more independent than you think. I love the fact that the movie gives them agency. The movie gives them personality and it's not just about their disability. Just like I said about Maestro. And, and and we can make this point for several other movies. Your your Down syndrome or or autism or whatever you have your 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 whatever character is suffering 
you're that's not your personality trait. That's that's something that's inflicting you. It's something that that is something for you to overcome or whatever, however you want to do it, depending on what the situation is. But that's not a personality trait. And a lot of movies tend to kind of leave that alone. And they're like, oh, no, you know, in, in, in a different, obviously a different way. Like my complaint with Maestro was. Leonard Bernstein was more than just a gay, a gay conductor or like, you know, you know what I mean? Right. Like he was, yeah. he was bigger than that with this. He movie, was a gay Jewish conductor. Oh yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> this, this, this movie had so much more and you know, honestly, it's an, another movie I'm a sucker for that I've watched so many times since, since the top 10 came out a couple of years ago is peanut butter Falcon. Mm. Like, and I feel like this movie took a page from that. There is a scene when he tells Shia LaBeouf, I am a Down syndrome kid, and Shia LaBeouf looks at him and he's like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like, it, that, that doesn't matter because you're a human. You're out here with me. We're doing this. And there's just something so nice and heartwarming in the best possible ways about this movie and, and that movie. And, you know, they're, there's, they're few and far between, but you can find them. This isn't I Am Sam. I'll say that, you know. For those of you oh, that haven't God. seen that movie, don't waste your time, but. Sam, uh, but uh, Sean Penn does go over the top a bit with something. So, yeah. Um, I'll say this. If you're out there, you're not familiar with I Am Sam. Actually, no. If you have even seen, if you've seen the movie, even everybody out there, do yourself a favor and go look up the trailer for I Am Sam and just just give it a gander. Just. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Just watch the trailer. Just give it a gander to give yourself an idea of the kind of fucking shenanigans we used to get up to. <laughs> watch that. Watch the trailer for that. Then go watch Tropic Thunder. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But either way, um, man, this movie fucking rocks. I, I cannot believe you. I, I cannot believe you watched it, but I really can't believe how much you loved it. Like, I mean, it, obviously, I like that because I love this movie, but it was just really interesting to me. Dude, I uh, I mean, shout out Nick Pinkerton. He he met, re- referenced it in his uh, the aforementioned column um, that uh, and and I, I thought it was you know I thought it was you know big Nick Pinkerton, big smart guy being too cute. You know, I was like, okay, sure, buddy, you like this movie. You know, let me guess is the mise en scene. You know, particularly uh, you know uh, interesting or whatever. And then I watched it. And I was in tears. I was like, thank you, Nick. Like, <laughs> It's and like I just just I want to dr- dr- drill down very very briefly on that scene that you mentioned because you know on the surface that scene is nothing but pure exposition right oh yeah like, yeah it, it it really does grind the narrative to a halt in much the same way that that Barbie speech does right but instead of giving Cheech Marin some big you know speech that he's going to get nominated for a Golden Globe or whatever it is simple to the point and he just very calmly explains and this is crucial we get montage we get a montage along with it right like it's not just cheech marin being mr actor man and really you know saying these guys have value or whatever no they 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 show us it says like so-and-so works for this restaurant his boss is an asshole so-and-so uh, volunteers at a soup kitchen, so-and-so does this, and it shows us each one of these characters and exactly what they're doing, right? And it takes what should be a clunky exposition dump and turns it into a moving portrait that gets us to know these characters, but also to understand them as, like you said, uh, deeper than their disability. It, it's such an incredible scene, man. And like, 
I don't know, just th- just that kind of deft handling of narrative and character and Woody Harrelson's performance. Like, it, this is why going back a little bit, it it made me think of um, like I wanted, I was interested in doing a Lifetime Christmas movie episode, or not Lifetime Hallmark, Hallmark. Christmas movie episode. Yeah. Um, Dude, I hate New York so much. Jesus. God, I know, man. I just fucking. I don't even know what that is. I guess it's a garbage truck. Um, but anyways, I, I thought that might be interesting to do for an episode. And then, you know, I was kind of like, well, maybe not. I don't want to waste our time. But like, I, I thought it might be an interesting thing to do for an episode because I I, I really, I, I don't know what the future of this is. Maybe we can talk about it off pod, but I want to explore like kind of basic genre movies, but different genres, you know, the kind of, the kind of genres that are not traditionally cinephile genres like noir crime thriller, you know, like den of thieves. We all love den of thieves, right? It's a good movie, but what's the, what's the den of thieves for like a different genre for the romantic comedy or for the Hallmark Christmas movie? You know, a lot of people watch those movies. Is there some craftsmanship there that we're missing out on? Cause we're dismissing them. You know, I dismissed champions until Nick Pinkerton mentioned it. You know, so like, I don't know. I'm just thinking about what are some other genres, you know, that maybe in the future we could possibly explore that are like just classically well-made movies, you know, and maybe that would maybe that would involve sifting through too much dreck, you know, like because there obviously would be a lot of it. But yeah, I'll go ahead and solve that mystery for you. It would. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying what what what, you know. I'm just interested in other genres that that are that may you know have like sneakily well made you know movies in them and stuff, but I don't know. I was just really taken with it, and I, I you know, uh, it's just been something that's on my mind lately. Of like, you know, what if there's other well made like remember the Titans? You know what I mean? Like, it takes skill to make something like that. You know, something like an enduring you know sports movie classic. It's not Citizen Kane, but it's I guarantee a lot more people love. Remember the Titans and they do Citizen Kane in this world, in the entire world, you know, like. I agree, man. There's a lot of tropes and, and traps you can fall into and stuff like that. And um, and I think it's difficult. It's more difficult than people might think when they watch a movie like Champions or Remember the Titans or something and kind of like dismiss some of the choices. Um, yeah, I think so, too. But yeah, either way, Anyways. dude, this movie rocked. I mean, guys, watch it if you haven't. When I watched it, it was on Prime. It still might be. Uh, Barbie's yeah, I on. I think it is. Actually, so is Saltburn. Barbie's on HBO Max, so you can watch. If you have these streaming services, you can watch them without having to rent them. Um, yeah, don't bother with Saltburn though. Uh, watch Saltburn. Uh, it's 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 a good time. You'll laugh. Uh, I, yeah, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't agree with my co-host. Um, but he's blinded. Actually, he's it. blinded by hatred um, of the source material and the director. So you can't really trust him, guys. Because you no, know. Actually, no. I take it back. I to see Barry Keegan's penis. Yes, watch Saltburn. Barry Keoghan. And uh, I don't know who that is. And no, that was my least favorite part about it. I don't want to see his penis flopping about while he dances. I thought it was great. That was my favorite part. I do think it was a good part. Like, despite the fact that he's naked, um, I thought it was really interesting the way they did it and followed him around the house. I'm sure that was a fun scene for everybody to shoot. I wonder if it was a closed (laughs) set or if Barry was like, fuck, no, I don't give a shit who's in here. Even bring, bring in the bring in everybody, the P.A.'s. Everybody, craft services, get everybody here to watch me dance naked. Fuck it. Let's film it at the premiere <laughs> and stitch it in. Uh, anyway, 
guys, hope you enjoyed this supersized episode of our year in review part three, because we certainly enjoyed uh, discussing all of this. Let us know your thoughts on this. You know, a lot of these movies got a lot of baggage, Barbie, Saltburn, you know. So let us know uh, what you think. And uh, also champion lovers out there, let us know. Have you watched it? Did you like it? You know, this movie came and went. You know, I feel like nobody was talking about it. So anyway, I uh, I am done. Do you have anything to add before we get out of here? No, let's wrap it up. Guys, hope you enjoyed this episode. Do not forget to rate and review wherever you listen. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram. All those links are in our bio. And uh, we'll see you next week at the Silver Screen video.